Hello, everyone. You're listening to In the Weeds, an agriculture podcast hosted by Monica Jean and the Michigan Field Crops team. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another In the Weeds. Monica Jean here, field crops educator with MSU Extension covering uh, the Bay region. And uh, this is, of course, brought to you by the MSU Extension Field Crops team. So please take a look. There's uh, lots more recordings underneath here. But today, what we are talking about is the last of a three-part series on kind of farm bill decisions. First, ARC PLC, then we talked about insurance. And now we're going to kind of do some what to expect expectations around uh, the 2023 Farm Bill. So I'm here with two wonderful guests. You may have heard them on the other ones if you've seen those or listened to those first. And that is Molly and John. So thank you. Welcome back again. And if you guys could just introduce yourselves quick. Molly? Yes, absolutely. It's great to be back. My name is Dr. Molly Sears. I'm an assistant professor in the Department of Agricultural Food and Resource Economics here at Michigan State University. Uh, I have the luxury of being able to serve in a variety of capacities. I teach ag policy to undergrads and I I do ag policy uh, extension work as well as my research. And so I have a special focus in uh, the Farm Bill, ag policy and, and conservation program. Fabulous. And John. Hello there, John Laporte. I'm the farm business management educator through MSU Extension in the southwest part of the state. I do quite a bit of work around risk management, cost of production, beginning farmer resources, and then helping producers kind of way through their decision-making process, trying to improve sustainability and, and overall profitability there on the farm. All right. And, uh, what we're going to kind of talk about is, like I said, the farm bill expectations. So uh, with the new farm bill, what's is there likely to be a lot of differences with the previous one or what, what does it look like kind of out there and expectations are? Well, I think we're going to be able to get a firmer idea of what expectations are in the upcoming months. But as we know, the 2018 Farm Bill is kind of the money is set to expire in 2023. And so we're in the weeds of trying to develop a a new Farm Bill. Uh, It's going to be a challenging uh, climate to develop a new Farm Bill in. Uh, We've got a split House uh, Senate. Uh, situation, but we have really excellent, you know, leads in the agricultural committees in the House and the Senate. Uh, I think there's definitely potential that the Farm Bill is going to get passed in 2023, but I think expectations are right now uh, that the next Farm Bill is probably going to fall uh, largely similar uh, to the 2018 Farm Bill in order to be successfully passed. So the way I like to think about it, and there's actually a really excellent Farm Foundation report that was published at the end of 2022, kind of mapping the trajectory of farm bills over time. But the way they categorized it was kind of in this revolutionary category where we think about like the very first farm bill in the 1930s, as well as, you know, the uh, 1985 farm bill really changing uh, the modern modern programs. And then we've got kind of our evolutionary farm bills, which is a lot of the 
you know, 2014, for example, was an evolutionary farm bill because it replaced direct payments with ARC and PLC. Uh, and then we have our status quo farm bills, of which 2018 was one of them. It's largely continuations uh, of farm bills in the past. I'd say that's probably going to be our best chance for success. But I do think that there are some ways that this could uh, potentially differ in comparison to previous bills. I think that's a good distinction to make about the different types of farm bills, especially the 2018 being kind of a status quo because one of the things that's really confusing this year, and I think it's confusing always in the last year of an existing farm bill, is that we talk about the 2023 decision, which we focus a lot in the other two segments of, of the podcast, other two recordings. And we're, we're talking about a 23 decision that's based on the 2018 farm bill, but yet we're talking about the new 2023 farm bill, which is going to be going forward. It's, it's usually based in the year it's passed. Um and so that that's one of the things I think is really important that you mentioned, Molly. You brought up the the kind of the political makeup of Congress. How do you think that's going to impact uh, what we see in the new farm bill, whether it stays status quo or whether there's some new changes or new wrinkles thrown in? That political climate has a has an impact, doesn't it? Oh, it 100% does. And and one of the things kind of historically about the Farm Bill that's been so successful is kind of all the direct bipartisan support, the combination of the food and nutrition assistance programs with the uh, farmer policies kind of combined into a bill has meant it's been politically popular over time. Uh, because it affects constituents all across the United States. And so largely every... Uh, Every senator, every congressperson has some sort of, of stakeholder claim to the Farm Bill. And so that's been really important for its success. And uh, honestly, it's it also provides some challenges as we go into to the new Farm Bill with respect to kind of negotiations over budget. But I, I do think that that's, you know, been one of the primary keys of success. However, you know, having kind of a split Congress is definitely going to make things challenging. And so there are going to be concessions made on both sides. Um, one of the hot topics that we've been seeing, especially through the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act, has been a real dedication to working lands programs and conservation programs. I, if we're seeing changes to the 2023 Farm Bill, it I guess that it would align pretty well with climate-related policies. Um, for example, maybe the expansion of EQIP. Uh, in 2020, they were only able to fund 27% of EQIP applications. And so uh, there, there is a lot of desire to engage in those kinds of working lands programs. And uh, the Inflation Reduction Act did provide a lot of money for EQIP, but that could be a, a shift that we see in farm bills going forward, uh, as well as things like, you know, carbon mitigation and, and all of those types of packages. So that might be a type of evolution that we see uh, kind of with the more recent evolutions of the past. But in all honesty, I just don't see like a revolutionary new farm bill being able to be successfully passed with the, the current political state. Now with the, the idea of it kind of being status quo, um... Uh, one of the things that comes to my mind is thinking about price support for a lot of our programs and, and the our county, ARC individual and, and PLC programs function a lot around market pricing. And so the 
2014 farm bill used those historical prices. And so those were coming off of a relatively high period. So we saw a lot of payments, a lot, a lot of folks went into the Art County program because it, it paid so well because of those high prices. We, we kind of saw the reverse of that with most of the 2018 where we were on a period of lower prices. So we're, we're back in the influx where we've got some higher prices we've just experienced. Do you see kind of it kind of doing the ebbs and flows where we've kind of got these, you know, high price, low price kind of periods that maybe they're, are they going to maybe stick with the same kind of formula on some of the reference prices? Or do you think maybe they're going to tweak that a little bit considering what we're dealing with right now in terms of the markets? I think, so I think both things are probably true. One of the nice things is that even if we kind of continue the same types of programs, what's likely to be updated are going to be these reference prices. Um, both kind of our Olympic average benchmark prices used in the Art County programs and also kind of the statutory reference prices used for price loss coverage. Updating both of those is going to be big. Um, it's really going to make a difference, especially in our high price environment. So it's exactly like what you're talking about, John. It would look more similar to 2014, where if prices depress in the next couple of years after having such a high price environment for the last few, we could expect more Art County and, and PLC payments. Uh, and actually, uh, we see some of that happening with respect to the Congressional Budget Office estimates um, for kind of continuations of the 2018 Farm Bill. So what's really important to note from a Farm Bill perspective, and I'm kind of steering the, the uh, discussion in a slightly different direction here, but, but one thing to really consider is that the Congressional Budget Office, it basically sets what the baseline mandatory spending budget would be, which is most of the type of spending in farm bill programs. And so the Congressional Budget Office, it basically lays out a projection that if the 2018 farm bill were to continue from 2023 all the way through 2033, what would be the dollars outlaid? And even without updating reference prices, we see a lot more dollars outlaid to ARC and PLC as those kind of baseline uh, prices, the Olympic averages start updating to reflect our higher price current environment. And so the expectations are that outlays to producers will be quite a bit higher for ARC and PLC going into the future, even if nothing else changes. Now, I would expect changes to reference prices as well, uh, also increasing, uh, which would be really positive uh, from pot a potential payout perspective. Um, however, even under baseline conditions, we would expect to see changes in ARC and PLC payments just because things do slowly increase over time, reflecting our current environment. Unfortunately, it's not going to help farmers out much this current season, uh, but we will expect um, those types of prices to update going into the future. The other thing to consider based off of your question, John, is that uh, we may also be considering different types of policies or different types of programs, thinking about uh, input prices. Uh, our current ARC and PLC programs, they, they cover things related to kind of low price environments or devastating yields, but there really aren't any sort of safety nets for high input prices. Uh, that would be a 
definitely a change from current farm bill practices, but I do think it's something that's a, a really hot topic uh, in agriculture and could really help uh, producers uh, thinking about different kinds of protections from that perspective as well. And that's really important because as we're thinking about adding new programs and, and maybe some tweaks or some adjustments to the other programs within the farm bill, uh, there, there's the, there's a lot of dollars we're talking about that might go out in terms of program payments. And there, there's some mechanisms that exist in the farm bill to try to raise some of those price support areas. But, but as you described, they kind of lag behind. And so there's maybe some expectation that they do a little bit additional tweaking to those, especially on the reference price. But as we add programs, we start talking about added dollars. I've been kind of hearing this phrase about the farm bill needing to be kind of a budget neutral type of farm bill. And, and I, I think it relates to what you're talking about with the congressional budget. Could you explain what that's really all about? Absolutely. So you're exactly right, John. What What's going to happen this spring is the congressional budget office is going to come out with their like true baseline estimates for this next 10 year period. So the 2023 to 2033 period that I was talking about. And so what happens, especially in a situation where Congress is split, uh, it's going to be incredibly difficult to uh, negotiate our way out of a budget neutral category. So basically what happens is what the Congressional Budget Office says we would spend for the next 10 years, that's the budget that we have to work with. And so unfortunately, what that kind of creates is a zero-sum game. So if you're adding money to your nutrition assistance programs, you are necessarily taking money away from agricultural support programs. And so when we say that farm bill negotiations are especially contentious, that's the kind of problems that we're talking about here, is that if you're adding money to one pool, you are taking money away from another. And so it's going to be a really tricky year. It's going to be a lot of debate. It's going to be a lot of uh, hot topics and unfortunately a lot of contention. And that's largely structural. It's it's based off of this budget problem. There are ways to raise money outside of this budget neutral category. They've done it before for previous farm bills, but it has to be relatively small amounts of money because you need to develop other bills to help raise that revenue to eventually become budget neutral. And so again, this is for mandatory spending only, but that is most of the farm bill budget that we're talking about here. And so we will be seeing these types of, of negotiations all year long. It's, it's exciting as an ag policy teacher, but it's really, uh, really challenging from both a producer perspective and anybody who's actually influenced by these outcomes. Well, and I always forget, I'm so focused on farms I always forget how broad the farm bill really is, you know, and the people who are passionate about some of those um, food programs, they may be from a very different background, have a very different understanding of what agriculture looks like from those who are kind of advocating for some of our farm, you know, because depending on their constituents, right, that that demographic can look so different. So it's, it is a very, I imagine even in a year where um, the political, like, playing field isn't as broad as what it is now, it's still probably very interesting just because of the diversity of the constituent constituents' needs within all of those representatives. So I, fun, fun, fun. That's why I, uh, <laughs> I'm not in politics because it's not fun. <laughs> oh, no. 
<laughs> I, I don't envy any of the policymakers in the in the upcoming situation, but boy, there'll be a lot of a lot of news to stay tuned for uh, this spring. Right. Well, so this is the end of our three series around the farm bill. Um, there was two others, one covering uh, the ARC PLC decision, another covering the insurance portion, and now this last one as a kind of an expectation of the farm bill. And so I just want to thank Molly and John for uh, being a part of the podcast and recording all three of these. And I hope our listeners enjoy it. So thank you for getting on. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you very much. This was fun. This podcast has been brought to you by the MSU Extension Field Crops Team. For more podcasts or information, please visit us at canr.msu.edu backslash field underscore crops. Thanks for listening.